0: is e I didn't warn Matt ahead of time that I was using a different microphone than Joe usually uses. Sorry about that, man. You know, I really hated having to write my spelling words four to five times each when I was a kid. Any of you have to do that? Anybody? Well, good, because if I was the only one, I'd be super mad. But that job, I mean, it was like slowly pouring my soul down a drain. I hated that so bad. I remember having to stay inside from recess so many times to finish that job. And I I would sit there watching my classmates out the window. Now, notice what I was doing. I was sitting there watching my classmates out the window, and therefore not writing the spelling words for, you know, you you get where this is going. I would sit there watching my classmates out the window, and my imagination would take over. I'd just be gone, off into a daydream where I'd, you know, I'd, I'd be freed from the classroom. I'd run outside and run out through all my classmates, and they'd see me running faster and faster, and then I'd take off and start flying, and probably I'd fly around the world and save everybody and rescue my teacher's cat from a tree, and then she'd be so sorry that she'd ever made me write those spelling words five times each. And then, the, you know, the United Nations would give me a medal, and, but the whole time my imagination was betraying me because I was still not writing those spelling words four to five times each. So that meant the next recess, pouring my soul down the drain again, right? And I didn't, I didn't focus. I couldn't focus. I knew I had to try harder. I knew I had to do better. I knew I wasn't doing good enough. Anything repetitive like that still kills me. We have some ladies that I'm so thankful for who come into our church every Friday morning to fold the Sunday bulletins that you guys have in your hands right now. And I'm so grateful for those ladies. I am so grateful for those ladies. They sit there and they talk and they like drink coffee and they seem like they actually have a good time. They enjoy it. I hate folding those bulletins. I've had to do it a few times. I would much rather, I'm not kidding, I'd much rather unclog toilets than fold 200 plus bulletins every week. I am so grateful for those ladies. And I told him that. I said, ladies, if you have a clogged toilet, you give me a call, but don't ask me to fold those bulletins, please. And that, but I, I, I knew, you know, my focus wasn't there. I was not good enough. I had to try harder. I had to do better. And there are other ways I knew I wasn't good enough during childhood. I was a terrible liar. I was a terrible liar as a kid. In fact, um, my friend, one of my friends uh, was this girl that I went to school with. She was in my class from, I think, kindergarten to maybe third grade, and we would carpool to school. Uh, her mom would take us both to school in the morning, and then my mom would take us home. We lived close to each other. And so, you know, we we're pretty good friends. But I saw, I, I hadn't, I'd lost contact with her and her family. I saw her dad about five, six years ago. Um, and, you know, he was saying, hey, it's good to see you, good to catch up with you. And he mentioned this to me. He said, you know, you were a pathological liar when you were a kid. And I was like, I know, I I, I remember, I, I vividly remember all the whoopings I got from that. I lied like crazy. I, I'd lie for no reason just to lie. I don't know. And it lasted, unfortunately, lasted into my teen years. In high school, I would lie to get out of trouble. To, I'd lie to stretch the truth to make a story better. I'd just lie because it felt easier at the moment than telling the truth. Um, I did, I did it all the time. And I promise I'm not going to lie to you this morning, though, okay? But I I knew, again, that I wasn't good enough. I knew I had to try harder and do better. And this one I don't want to tell you, but a lot of you know it because I've told it before. I discovered pornography when the Internet was sort of still becoming what it is now. And I figured out how to get around filters and get away with it and hide my history, and it got a lot worse as time went on. It didn't make me happy at all. I did it because I was addicted. No other reason than that. I knew I was dirty. I was ashamed, but I couldn't stop. I knew I wasn't good enough. I knew I had to try harder. I knew I had to do better. Don't raise your hands here, but how many of you know you have to try harder and do better? How many of you know that, that you weren't good enough? And how many of you aren't sure you're ever actually going to get there? Never going to be good enough. On June 23rd, 2018, some of you will remember this story. There was a group of boys in northern Thailand, and they were at soccer practice. They were on a soccer team called the Wild Boars. And their team was boys aged 13 to 16, but then they also had one 11-year-old, I think, on the team. After their soccer practice, their assistant coach took them on an adventure. They were, they were planning to do this. They rode their bikes to this famous cave in northern Thailand called Tham Luang Cave. And they started exploring. They had some flashlights and and a snack. And uh, there wasn't any rain in the forecast. But outside the cave, as they were exploring, it started raining really hard. And they didn't know it, but the cave was flooding behind them. And they realized it. By the time they realized the water was rising in the cave, they were already trapped. They were already stuck. And uh, soon there was so much water that they had to move farther into the cave to keep from drowning. The rain kept coming and the water kept rising. It rained for over a week and they kept climbing higher and higher. And they finally stopped on a high ledge above the water level. And by the time they stopped, they were two and a half miles from the entrance into this cave, two and a half miles. So people found the boys' bicycles outside the cave and people figured out kind of what was going on. And this worldwide rescue effort swung into action I was following the news story at the time, you know, just, it was, it was horrifying just, just to imagine this. And, uh, the British cave rescue council sent some of the greatest, the world's greatest cave divers, the United States, Australian, British, Chinese, and Thai militaries sent rescue divers, medical personnel, anybody else. Uh, there were construction people who were trying to figure out if they could drill from the surface to the boys, but they didn't have any idea where to drill. Um, and, and nine days after they went into the cave, the boys were very startled to see a light coming up under the water next to them. And a British diver named John Volanthan surfaced and found everybody alive and together. And he left more lights. for This, this is a shot, a grainy shot from his uh, like chest camera that he had mounted on him when he found those boys in the cave. Uh, they'd been sharing lights and food, but they'd been in there for, for nine days. And uh, he left more lights for them. He promised to come back. Divers started making the long two plus hour swim and hike and climb to the boys several times over the next few days. And they brought him food, but they couldn't get him out because they didn't tell the boys this. There was a Navy SEAL uh, from Thailand who had already died on one of the dives to get them. Every time the divers went through, they were risking their lives. And like it was touch and go every single time. Um, and, and the greatest cave experts in the world, this was very, very dangerous for them. So they started debating plans. How are we going to get these boys out of the darkness and back to the surface? They had to hurry because it had rained for two weeks and you know, the boys were stopped. It wasn't raining anymore, but the rainy season was coming where it would sometimes rain every day for a month. And then the water, they, they didn't know how long these guys could survive. Elon Musk got his SpaceX engineers and they designed this tiny little one-boy submarine. Um, It was like a a capsule that could be towed by divers. Um, So people all over the world were getting in on this action, trying to figure out how to rescue these boys. Finally, 15 days after the boys went into the cave, they started the rescue. They dressed them in wetsuits and buoyancy jackets and harnesses and a positive pressure full face mask. And they had a cylinder with 80% oxygen clipped to their front and a handle was attached to their back and they were tethered to a diver in case they were lost in the poor visibility. The rescue divers described them as a package. An Australian doctor and diver came in and he would inject them with a combination of drugs that would knock them out so that if they panicked in the water, they wouldn't like endanger the lives of their rescuers as well. Um, and... <clears throat> They had, so, but the, they decided Elon Musk's little one-boy submarine wouldn't work because it wasn't flexible enough for some of the tight spots in the tunnels that they would have to go through to get them out. So they had to just keep the boys' masks on. If a mask got jostled out of place against the cave wall with the boys sedated, I mean, it, that, that was it. They were death. The divers swam the boys and their coach out over the next three days. The water was murky, Underwater visibility was almost zero in places. Like divers talked about how they would hold their hand up right in front of their mask and not be able to see it until they actually touched their mask. Um, and, but they got everyone out. They got all the boys out and their assistant coach. They're all alive and healthy today. If you Google it, you'll see them all on an, on an episode of The Ellen Show um, where she interviews them through an interpreter. Put yourself in the place of these boys. Your day started so great, right? You're, you're with your friends. You had soccer practice. And then you're exploring this huge cave. You're feeling like a legendary adventurer. But then things start going wrong. And you feel this horrible sense of hopelessness. The water is rising. You're trapped. And the only way to get up high enough to escape the rising water is to go farther into the trap, farther into the cave. You're stuck in hopeless darkness then that rescuer guy shows up right and you think oh it's over but they have really sobering news they say you've got to trust us we can get you out but you have to give up control you have to let this doctor inject you with sedatives and then your life is in our hands completely Every single one of those boys had to decide. And they did. They, they let each one of these boys decide. And that's, they asked, you know, how did you decide the order that they came out? And they're like, well, they just went with whichever boy was ready to make the decision that he was ready to go. Every single one of those boys had to decide that the place they were in was a place that was hopeless and even deadly. And they had to agree to give up control. They didn't have time to become world-class diving experts. They couldn't navigate through the murky water at all. They had to recognize by now, the rescue divers had made several journeys back and forth through these passages. They had placed guide ropes so that even if the visibility went clear to zero, they could still navigate out to the light of day. The rescuers had been through the darkness and better than anyone else on earth, they knew the way to the light. The boys had to believe with everything in them that they were hopelessly, desperately lost on their own they didn't need to try harder they didn't need to do better they didn't need to focus more and when i was a kid what i didn't need was to try harder and do better it wasn't that i wasn't good enough and i needed to try harder and do better no we needed something else you need i need these boys needed something else They didn't need to try harder, do better, focus more. What they desperately, desperately needed was a rescuer. They had to decide to follow that rescuer into the water through the valley of the shadow of death, right? They had to place their trust completely in that rescuer. And so did I. As a kid who knew I wasn't good enough. As a man who knows now I'm not good enough man, I don't need to try harder and do better. What I need is a rescuer. And what you need is a rescuer. The beginning of the story of God's relationship with the world is found in the first verses of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it tells us the process of how that happened. It says, the world was without form and void, or formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. So before God steps into the story, everything is chaos and darkness. We're lost. And that's the way the story starts for all of us. Our lives, formless, empty. Darkness covers us. We're lost. It's hopeless. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2 says, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. Psalm 51, verse 5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And that verse shows us that the darkness we're lost in isn't just in the world around us. We make the darkness worse. It so says, surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. It's in us too. We feel that water rising and we feel that panic coming. And so we keep walking farther into it, following it farther from the light. It's rooted deeply in our hearts. Now, some people might think, you know, well, people are basically good. It's our upbringing, our environment that makes us bad. According to a lot of popular philosophy, that's correct. But you know what? Your real character comes out when nobody's watching. Your real character comes out when it's dark. In 1977, there was a blackout in New York City for a few days. And you you could predict what would happen during a blackout in New York City. Businesses were looted and burned Looters, stealing from other looters, knife fights in the street. But the funny thing was, yes, there were a lot of career criminals who were arrested during that blackout. But the funny thing was, there were a lot of arrests made during that 1977 blackout in New York City on people with no criminal record, who were looting stores and things like that, fighting each other in the streets. No criminal record, no history of violence or stealing or anything. People who wouldn't have stolen a pack of gum from a gas station otherwise. In the blackout, they're breaking and entering, looting, fighting, because it's easy to hide what's really happening in the dark. So the city of New York developed a plan for how to handle blackouts, and there have been a few since. There was another one in 2003 that lasted for several days. They mobilized every police officer, firefighter, National Guard unit. The city was locked down tight. And Man, if you don't like how much control the government has over your life now, don't be in New York City in a blackout. You cannot squeak. Like You, you stay put. Um, it's, they, they had to do it because they realized without the threat of severe consequences, there is a darkness in our hearts that responds to the darkness in the world around us. And it's not just New York City people, so don't be thinking that. If you're honest, you realize you're no exception. On our own, we are all lost. And on our own, we all choose to go deeper into the darkness. We double down on it. We even lead others to follow us deeper into the darkness. We add to the darkness with our own selfishness. We prove that old saying true that that you've heard this maybe, hurt people hurt people, right? We get hurt, so we turn around and hurt others we go deeper and deeper into that cave. We think our only survival mechanism is to pile on to the darkness, double down on the evil. In the history of God's relationship with His people, there are people over and over again. There are people lost and wandering in the dark. And God steps in repeatedly. He steps in. Through all the stories and the writings of the poets and the prophets in the Old Testament, a theme starts coming up about a rescuer who is coming. Uh, Psalm 107. Some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So He subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and He saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness in the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. So God steps in, but the tension is always there. He comes as the Rescuer. He brings light in a dark place. But His people keep turning away. And once again, they're lost, wandering deeper into darkness. But through the prophets and the poets of the Old Testament, God starts saying, wait for Him. The Rescuer is coming. Then, Jesus was born. And He lives His life, teaching us how to walk in His light. He calls to lost people and He says two tremendously important words. Follow Me. The rescuer has arrived. And increasingly, people begin to follow him. And it's interesting because the people who follow him first are the outcasts, the unwanted, the sinners, the the addicted, even the demon-possessed. Respond to his call and follow him. They find freedom. But then, one week in Jerusalem, all hell is literally unleashed. The greatest assault of evil and darkness in the history of the universe centers on Jesus, the rescuer, the king of the universe, walking around in a human body. And one night he's illegally arrested. All his followers scatter, lost and hopeless once again. Wasn't he the rescuer? Who would they follow now? He's beaten, spit on, mocked. And early that Friday morning, he's condemned to die. He's nailed to a cross. John chapter 19 records this moment at the turning point in all of history. Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So it seems like the rescuer has lost Jesus dead on the cross. The light of the world shrouded in darkness. Evil was having its greatest party. The darkness in this world was complete The evil in our hearts has no cure. There's no rescuer. There's no one to follow. Our addictions will strangle us. Our sin will condemn us. Hope is gone. But Satan didn't realize that the death of the Son of God was the deep darkness just before the dawn. And all the voices of the prophets through the centuries were echoing down leading to this moment. Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and His glory appears over you. Malachi chapter 4. For for you who revere My name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. And then John's Gospel takes up the theme. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness But the darkness has not understood it. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So early on that Sunday morning, the forces of darkness thought they were winning until suddenly they lost. The stone in front of Jesus' tomb was rolled away. Light comes leaping out of the tomb, announcing that this son of righteousness has risen and healing comes with him. There is a rescuer we can follow. He has been through the darkness, through the shadow of death, and He knows the way to rescue us. And not only does He know the way, not only does He know the way, He can also take the cave and make the cave into a castle. There's the promise that Jesus' resurrection power will one day come and make the whole world right again. The same power that raised Him from death will one day make all things new. He'll rescue all of creation. You know, in that cave in Thailand, there's a monument set up right now. You still can't go in there in the rainy season, though. But right now in the dry season, you can go and actually explore all the way two and a half miles up through the cave, if you're brave enough, and hang out on that ledge where they found those boys. There's a monument set up as a memorial to the great bravery and courage that was shown by those rescuers bringing those boys out. And one day, guys, one day, Jesus is going to make all things new. And the cave doesn't just get a monument set up in it. All the nasty, all the stuff you're ashamed of, all your past, all the stuff that I'm ashamed of from my past, where I knew I had to try harder and do better, he can take even the the darkness and change it to light. Make it all new. Make all the darkness right again. Change the cave into a castle. And he's going to do that one of these days, y'all. He'll rescue all of creation. And he'll even leverage your history that is so full of darkness to increase the light that shines. In the meantime, yes, sometimes we have to deal with the darkness in this world. Sometimes we still feel lost and it's hard to find our way. And it feels like, you know, water rising, hope gone. But he says, follow me. He knows the way. But, like those boys in the cave, the choice is in our hands. There are lots of other people calling you to follow them in lots of different directions. Everybody wants you to like, subscribe, follow. Then there are other people telling you, don't follow anyone. You do you. Be true to yourself. Don't let anyone tell you how to live your life. I suppose those boys in Thailand had an option. They could have tried to choose another rescuer of some kind. Or they could have just said, no, nobody's going to tell me how to live my life. I'm going to find my own way out of here. I suppose that was an option they have. But they weren't idiots, fortunately. What they needed, what I need, what you need, desperately, is the Rescuer. One who's been through the darkness, who says, follow me. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, came through the darkness to rescue you. and He calls you to follow Him. 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 9, says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16. Whoever wants to be my disciple... Now pay attention here, guys, okay? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and what? Follow me. What is it? Take up their cross and? Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You don't need to try harder and do better. If you try to save your own life, you'll lose it. You don't need money or success or fame or followers. You can gain the whole world and lose your soul. The choice is yours. Will you follow someone else? Will you keep traveling deeper into the darkness on your own? Or you make the choice to follow the rescuer? I know that we have people here today. Many of you have chosen to follow him. You're like, yeah, Jim, I know. I, I'm in. I, I'm following Him. For those of you who have made that choice already, here's what I got for you. When you, when you chose to follow Him, that was a huge, important decision. But you know what I've found? i found that it's almost daily that I have something come up where I'm like, oh man, still, even now today, oh man, I'm not good enough. I've got to try harder. I've got to do better, right? For those of you who have decided already to follow Him, recognize it's not just that you need a rescuer once. It's that He's our only hope forever. And it's not that we need to try harder and do better. It's that we need to grab onto Him for dear life and never let go and just be like, Jesus, You are all to me. You're everything to me. I surrender all of me to You. I'm completely in Your hands. For those of you who have decided to follow Him, remember, you don't need to try harder and do better. You just need Him, right? Those of you who uh, maybe, maybe today, if you're honest with yourself and honest with God, you'd say, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've made this choice to follow Him, but man, I'm struggling. I, this Christianity thing, it seems like a good idea, but I can't get it to work out for me. It, it, it's just, man, I'm, I'm struggling. I'll be honest, I'm struggling. For you. He just says, you know what? Follow me. Those boys didn't have time to become cave rescue experts, diving experts, whatever, right? There may be a lot that you don't understand, a lot that you can't figure out. But here's what you can't understand. He says, follow me. Just follow him. Follow what you do understand. Pastor Joe said this. Uh, I'm going to get the quote wrong, I think. But he says, obey what you do understand, and then what you don't understand will start to... You'll start to understand what you don't understand. I, it's something like that, guys. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I see you nodding your heads, a few of you. But he says, follow me. And all you've got to do... Now, this is simple, but it's not easy. Does, it, does that make sense? All you've got to do is surrender to him. And what you don't understand, you've got to surrender that too. Surrender all that you don't understand to him. And just say, Jesus... I belong to you. I don't, I don't have it all figured out, but I belong to you. I'm going to follow you. I'm aware that also today here, I don't know all of your faith history, and we might have somebody here today who's like, if you're honest, you're like, I, I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing yet. Not, maybe you're not even sure if there is a God. And, and if that's you, uh, wherever you are on that scale, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're at least checking this out. But if you have not decided to follow Jesus yet, it's exactly the same advice as I have for those other people. He just says, follow me. Are you going to choose to go your own way, do your own thing? If you've got intellectual questions, those are valid. Um, We, you know, I I love trying to help people find answers. I don't know all the answers very far from it, not by a long shot. But if you've got intellectual questions about belief and following Jesus, I'd love to help you explore that. But I want to challenge you. Don't just have questions and never seek for the answers, okay? There's a lot of people who are like, I've got too many questions. Why don't you try to find the answers, right? Okay, so if you've got questions, seek the answers. You know what Jesus said? He said, you'll seek me and you'll find me. He said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And if you haven't decided to follow Jesus yet, for whatever reason, I want to invite you. Whoever wants to save their life on their own will lose it, right? But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Would you stand and let's bow our heads together? And I want to ask you this question. Will you respond to Jesus calling you to follow him? Wherever you are on this journey of faith, whether you've never made the decision to follow Jesus at all, whether you're struggling with it, whether you're totally committed to him, but you know you still sometimes feel like you're not good enough, you've got to try harder and do better. Will you respond to his call to you where he just says those two very important words, follow me. The rescuer is here. He's here. Now, as I pray out loud, would you pray silently in your heart, just cry out to Jesus and, and He's here and He wants to listen to you today and He's probably speaking to many of you right now. Would you listen to Him and would you respond to Him from your heart? His word says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's how you get rescued from the darkness that's in our own hearts. His word says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then it also says we are justified freely by His grace, by His sacrifice for us, by His coming for us and rescuing us. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So would you, as I pray out loud, would you pray silently and just let, let him speak to you and you, you talk to him, okay? Jesus, I thank you that you are our rescuer. The one who came through the valley of the shadow of death and brings us out to the light. I thank you that you rescue us now, but not only that, one day you're going to make everything new and all the yuck, all the, all the dark, all the, the pain... You're going to even turn all of that cave into a castle one of these days and and we get to see you do it if we belong to you. I thank you that you forgive sins, that you rescue us from the darkness that's inside us. And you also rescue us out of the darkness that's in the world around us. God, I pray that every single person here would respond to your call when you say, follow me. And right now, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around. If God is speaking to you today, and you are, and you're going to respond to Him right now, and you're, you're saying to Him, "Yes, Jesus, I may not understand all the, how all this works, but I will follow You." If that's you, w- would you do me the honor of just lifting your hand real quick? And I would love to be able to pray pray for you. And I'm not going to call out your name. Yeah, anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah. Nobody looking around, please. Anybody else? Thank you. If you have made a commitment to Jesus today, right now, would you tell someone about it here before you leave? Someone that you trust? That, what that does is that kind of drives a stake in the ground when you say, yeah, I made that commitment. Up that, that was for real. Okay? Would you tell someone about that before you leave today? Jesus, I thank you that when we trust you, you don't drop us. You're a good rescuer. You're the one we follow. We want to follow you. Anywhere and everywhere, forever. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. All right, thank you. You're dismissed. Have a great week.